You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. everyone, this is Kristen Powers with Pets Rock at Pet Life Radio. Today we have an amazing show with you with an amazing guest. Her name is Betsy Saul and she is the founder of PetFire.com. But first, I'd like to do joke of the day. Today's joke is called Fire Dog. Here it goes. A nursery school teacher was delivering a station wagon full of kids home one day when a fire truck soon passed. Sitting in the front seat of the fire truck was a Dalmatian. The children started discussing what the dog's duties might be. They use him to keep crowds back, said one youngster. No, said another. He's just for good luck. A third child concluded, no, silly. They use those dogs to find the fire hydrant. Now, I'm sure we'd all love to run in a fire hydrant, especially here in the south where it's almost 90 degrees. I just want to remind everyone to make sure they keep their pets safe in the summer heat and still have fun enjoying the weather. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're going to finally meet our amazing guest. Don't leave this party before it's over, because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on. Back in a few. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Back to the party. Let's go! With the hottest party in town. Hey everyone, we're back from the commercial break. Now I'd like to welcome Betsy Saul, the founder of PetFinder.com. Thanks for joining us, Betsy. Hi, thank you for having me, Kristen. So how has your day been? It's been great. I um, took a long drive today with um, my hound dog, Jim, and uh, he loves to go for rides, and he's getting really old, so we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to help Jim have nice days. <laughs> That's great. So today I'd like to ask you some questions about Pet Finder. Are you ready to start? I sure am. All right. Well, my first question is... Um, what is the purpose of PetFinder.com, and like, what is your mission? Well, you know, PetFinder.com is a website that allows people to go online and search for the adoptable pet of their dreams. So there are about you know, 300,000 animals um, in shelters right now that are posted on PetFinder.com, and they range from everything from cats to dogs to pot-bellied pigs. And uh, even snakes and, and pocket pets like gerbils and hamsters and birds are there. So, um, you know, you as a visitor can go online and type in your town or your zip code and say what kind of pet that you might be interested in bringing into your home. And um, it'll return a list of, you know, pets that meet that description. Like if you say, I'm looking for a medium-sized female adult Labrador, you'll see a list of all those girls that match your description. And it'll show, PetFinder will show those to you 
starting with the ones closest to your zip code and go all the way out across the country and even into Canada and Mexico if you if you wish. The cool thing about that is not just that you hear and learn on the website that those pets are in a shelter and that they're available, but you can also learn all about them because the animal shelter folks and the rescue group folks write detailed descriptions about the pets, and so you can kind of get to know them before you actually drive to the shelter to meet them for the first time. That's awesome. So you're the founder or co-founder of PetFinder.com, correct? That's right. Um, Jared Saul and I founded PetFinder in 1995. It was kind of a New Year's resolution where we um, wanted to build the perfect website. And at the time, there weren't a whole lot of websites out there. Yahoo was brand new. And and we thought, what an amazing thing we could do if we could connect people to their animal shelters. Because at the time, very few people knew where their local animal shelter was. And now, that's a lot better. Most people know where the animal shelter is when you talk to them. And we think that, um, you know, we like to think that we had something to do with that change. Right now, it's obviously very hip to get a pet from a shelter, and, and the American mutt has become a breed all of its own, it seems like, that people desire. Right. So were you always um, working in the animal world, or did you do anything anything else before Pet Finder? That's a great question. I always loved animals, and I was always working on that love of animals. There is no doubt, um, even as a 12-year-old, I was going over to a woman's home in my hometown, Mrs. Highslip, and I would help her take care of all the pets that she had rescued by cleaning their kennels and helping her with adoptions. But I never had the luxury of actually working with animals until you know, we started PetFinder. And so, you know, and, and even then, you know, at PetFinder, we have the lucky part of the job because the shelters and the rescue organizations actually do the hard work. They are the ones who really work um, with the animals and have to help rehabilitate them if they have been injured or if they have been neglected in any way. And we, you know, at PetFinder count ourselves very lucky because we we get to help out, you know, on, on sort of the adoption end and help with the marketing of the animal shelter. And, and so we really have the easy jobs. The people that are volunteering on the ground are the ones that are doing the hard work. So, you know, I never dreamed in my, in, in my wildest imagination that I would get to, to participate, you know, on a national level and really help change the face of adoption. But, but uh, you know, I, I have always, I've always absolutely loved animals. And, and um, when I started PetFinder, you know, I was doing urban tree planting in, in New Jersey and I just hadn't yet figured out how I was going to, you know, I was working for the State Forest Service at the time and, you know, when we started PetFinder, I, you know, I, I knew that we wanted to help the animals, but it, even then it didn't really dawn on me that I would do it as a job. You know, I, I thought that we would probably do this as a volunteer gig. <laughs> wow, that's a very different career change. Was that um, hard to adjust to or did you find that it worked out well for you? That was great for me because as an animal person, you know, I feel like I kind of found home in the community of animal welfare people. You know, when you're surrounded by people who think like you, it's easy to get up in the morning and, and uh, know that you're making a difference. You know, you know I, feel, I feel really spoiled and blessed. And, and for the most part, it's hard to imagine that it's really work. You know, I have to pinch myself. And then I get to do exciting things like meet with corporate sponsors like the people at Petco and, um, and other, you know, people that, you know, we've worked with a whole range of sponsors and I get to meet with those folks and, you know, talk about what we could do to, you know, make adoption bigger or, or how we could develop new programs to, you know, make really great supplies for pets that make a difference in the pet's lives. Like, you know, when I work with a pharmaceutical company and get to learn all about the great medications that keep pets from feeling pain or it's just such, a, such an amazing changing industry, the animal industry. Uh, if you think about the way we treated our family pets, 
100 years ago and even 15 years ago. It's, it's so new and changing. Very exciting. Very exciting. That's neat. So I understand PetFire.com has made a huge difference in adoption, but um, are there any other ways that they've impacted the pet world or any other projects that you've done besides adoption? Yeah, you know, that's one of my favorite things about PetFinder is that when I started, I thought that I was building a website to help pets. And what I very quickly learned was that probably we were spending more of our, you know, more of our energy was really probably resulting in helping people. So, you know, you start doing one thing and then you find out that your reason for doing it is something else. You know, I love, I love the fact that, you know, PetFinder will find a home for 2.1 million animals this year, um, or 2.3 million animals, I think, is the projected number. I love that. But when you think about Mm -hmm. that, that each one of those pets represents you know, that we help. I mean, like, you know, that I personally had a hand in helping that pet survive. That's amazing. But then you think about the rescue person who we helped support and we made their job a little bit easier and the shelter worker whose job caring for that pet was a little shorter and a little more satisfying because they knew the pet was going to get adopted. And then you think about a family, you know, an average family of four who and how their lives are going to be impacted by spending the next 15 years with the dog or the cat that they just adopted it just magnifies, you know, I, I had a pet and my relationship with my dog Max um, years ago helped helped open my parents' heart to having that kind of a relationship with a dog. So then they got a dog named Tucker years later and now they treat Tucker, I think, better than my little brother and I were treated. And as they <laughs> as my parents age, I think how lucky I am as a daughter to have them have another being who cares about them and takes such good care of them as their dog Tucker does. And, you know, and it all started from a little seed because I had a dog named Max who opened their eyes to the kind of um, relationship you can have with a pet, you know, with a dog. You know, it's, and, and we always had dogs as kids, but not, you know, they weren't, they were part of the family, but they weren't, they weren't like Tucker, you know. <laughs> so I think, um, right. you know, if you count the amount of lives that are impacted in, you know, in a, in a decision to bring home that first dog, you know, it's the impact is is huge, and the the saving of the pet is is almost you know just the beginning of the story, just the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So it's like a huge web where everyone's connected in the adoption world. That's neat. At the end of that is you know the the gentleman who doesn't have to take blood pressure medicine because his dog actually lowers his blood pressure. You know, really? through that special wow. bond that pets and people have. Yeah, or or the woman who doesn't have to take as much pain medicine because we know scientifically that pets and relationships like that that you have with pets help you need less pain medication when and you know and, and they help us heal faster and they, you know, and I think um, you know you talk about we think about the web and we think about the web of love obviously which is great and the relationship but but that relationship has real physiologic effects on us a little child who maybe right. has trouble bonding or is shy but but has an implicitly trusting relationship with their family pet you know this is this is important stuff in our in our society yeah that sounds really cool i was also wondering what you see in pet finders future are there any projects that you hope to do or anything you can tell us about that you guys are looking into Sure. I think that there are a few ideas out there that I think are just fantastic in terms of what they can do to bring us to the the next level of our regard for companion animals. I think 
Uh, one of those things is our perception of the family cat. Um, in animal welfare, I like to communicate that while we haven't gotten the problem solved with dogs in America, we kind of know the secret sauce. Like we know how in a given community, we know how to get the dog population um, adopted. We know what it takes to take care of dogs in an animal shelter and, and keep them healthy. I'm not saying that we're doing a great job everywhere yet, but we, we have the recipe. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't cracked that recipe book open completely on cats. You know, we, cats live 20 right. years, you know, and, and, um, and people still have the perception that if you just let them go, they'll be okay. Um, if you take them to an animal shelter, they're still, in many cases, in most communities, they are traumatized. Um, in so many communities, they're still housed with the dogs who are there. They're you know mortally fearful of. Um, wow. You know, and so cats undergo extreme stress in shelters. Many shelter programs don't actively help stray cats. Feral cats probably represent the single biggest problem in companion animal welfare out there. There's a lot of debate about whether or not they're companion animals, the feral cats that are out and about. Mm-hmm. So, so we need to develop really strong trap neuter return programs for feral cats. We need to get every shelter thinking about the mental health of a cat in a shelter. A cat that, has a, that is nervous and stressed has a huge likelihood of contracting upper respiratory virus in the shelter, which will cause it to get euthanized because it spreads like wildfire in a shelter. And we can't allow all the cats to catch it. So if you get what's the equivalent of the common cold for the cat and you happen to be in a shelter, Mm -hmm. you are in big trouble. And so if you're the cat, we need to pay attention to cats. We need to, you know, there are people have a relationship with cats that is um, every bit as intense as that with dogs. And as a society, we need to stand up and pay attention to that. They provide the same health benefits that dogs do to us. and, And we need to do right by them. And then after cats... You know, obviously there are a ton of reptiles and birds and, and rabbits that represent the third, you know, the, you know, the third largest class of animals in homes um, mm-hmm. or the third, you know, the, the next biggest group. And, um, and those guys are, you know, also, you know, we, we really as a society aren't necessarily being mindful of their um, care. You know, I don't think that they're often abused. Um, I think that most people are good people, but I think there's a lot of neglect happening with those animals. And that's not even, you know, and that's pet finders. That's pet finders' next rule and next step. That doesn't even get us into, you know, the really large issues in animal welfare, which are farm animal issues and other things that are dear to my heart. And obviously, um, I wouldn't be completely honest if I didn't talk about how I'd really like to take pet finder and the concept of building virtual shelters as opposed to physical shelters and then causing uh, foster-based rescue groups to, you know, like happen and, and be created all across the world in third world countries and avoid the pitfalls of shelters and warehousing pets in general. I think um, moving pets from places where they're unwanted to homes where they're wanted is something that the power of the internet can do. And we don't have to warehouse right. animals to do that. So that's a very long answer to your question, but I'm passionate about those things <laughs> um, probably. More than that's all right. Be. That's a good answer. Well, I'm glad you're passionate about your job. That's good to hear. Some of your past projects I've also heard uh, involve stuff like Hurricane Katrina. Would you like to tell us more about that project? Sure. When, um, you know, we were all, everybody was um, in shock when Hurricane Katrina happened and our development team and our outreach team made a commitment that they were going to work nonstop until we had um, come up with a solution to try to help pets get home back to where they belonged. You know, that happened for us a little bit because we came to recognize that, 
when we heard that there might be 150,000 animals affected in the New Orleans area and Mississippi area, we realized that you know that about 10% of those have probably been on Pathfinder and might have been Pathfinder adoptions because about one in every nine um, homes with a pet in it has a Pathfinder pet in it. So we're like, wow, if 10%. You know, ten wow. percent of that hundred and fifty thousand is, you know, they're our pets. We love, we've already loved them. You know, we we continue to love them. So, and we love all pets, of course. Um, so um, that you know made us feel responsible. And and when our team feels responsible, you better watch out. <laughs> we have we have a pretty cool group of people. So our development team and our outreach team, our business team, everybody just started working around the clock, and we developed a database that would help. You know, it was essentially a pet finder, only it was a pet finder database. And then instead of going from shelter to new adopter, it posted pets that were available through the temporary shelters that were set up by HSUS and and uh, American Humane Association workers and uh, best friends and um, you know Maddie's fund was involved. Just everybody in animal welfare, every every big name you can imagine, you know they were down there. The ASPCA down there working, and and so we had um, every pet that anybody touched got put into this pet finder database and. Then we started telling everybody, you know, all the radio stations, we put up signs. We just started telling everybody, come come to this place online and look for your pet. There were about, you know, 17,000 pets in that database, and like 10 or 11,000 of them actually found their way back home to their rightful owner. That's, oh, a, that's higher return to, it's a higher return to owner rate than most cities have at their shelter. So, you know, in the in, in the middle of a hurricane, you know, we were able to work with all those groups and get pets back home and do, and do a better job than, than we can do in most of our own cities, uh, which gives us something to think about afterwards. But nonetheless, we're incredibly mm-hmm. proud of that and I'm proud of all the organizations that participated. And can I tell you that just this month, we have a... We have a bunch of people that are still down there trying to help people find their pets and reunite. And just this month, the pet was reunited. Now, you know, years later, it continues. So the database continues to work. That's wonderful. Well, um, we're going to go to a quick commercial break, and then we'll continue the interview in a minute. Don't go anywhere, because the best is yet to come. Stick around. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Back to the party. Let's go. With the hottest party in town. Okay, this is Pets Rock with Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Kristen Powers. Um, we are currently interviewing the fabulous Miss Betsy Saul with PetFinder.com. Hey, Betsy, how are you? I'm fine. Okay, great. We would. I'd like to now do our trivia question of the show. And... um. Betsy, listen up closely because I'll be asking you to see if you know the answer. All right, so what percent of a cat's life is spent grooming? Now, you have the choices A, 50%, B, 10%, or C, 30%. Betsy, which one do you think it is? That's a really tough question. I just um, I just heard an animal welfare shelter expert named Steve Nataro, who's a, 
actually a professor up in Illinois, and he was just stating some research that said that that cats mostly look out the window. Um, that's what cats do most. So let's see. If cats are mostly looking out the window, and I think he said specifically looking at shrubs. <laughs> so if cats spend most of their time looking out of the window at shrubs, then that means not fifty percent. Okay. What were my other What were my other options? Ten and thirty. Your other options were ten and thirty. Um, I'm guessing ten percent. Although now I guess you could look out the window at shrubbery and groom at the same time, couldn't you? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, maybe. let's right. go. I'm thinking about Charlie and his indecent exposure. My cat, Charlie, <laughs> spends a lot of time um, cleaning himself. Um, usually when I have company over, especially. <laughs> at least when I have company, I believe that um, cats groom themselves uh, when they're being watched 30% of the time. Okay. Well, Betsy, you got the answer right. <laughs> cats spend <laughs> at least one-third of their life grooming certain. themselves. <laughs> I'm yes. quite certain. Well, yeah, you got I, I think I was just going to say, Kristen, <laughs> that I'm quite certain that when we're not around, he doesn't groom at all. <laughs> he just does it for show. Yeah. <laughs> just to, just right. to embarrass me, I think. So you said you have a cat named Charlie. What other pets do you have? Well, if we've got an hour or so, we can go through them. <laughs> um, I have a cat named Charlie and a cat named. <laughs> a cat named Jesse. They're very. They're two very different cats. They're both as sweet as can be. But Charlie is um, a house cat, and Jesse is a barn cat. He was. He was not a house cat. Um, he takes care of the barn. And um, I just need to give a shout out there to anybody who has ever adopted a feral cat or a barn cat and helps manage kitties who are used to living outside because. It's a really important thing for us to do. We need to help get those cats that are outside cats out of the shelters and back to where they belong and give them a job to do. Make sure they're neutered and that they're, you know, they have their shots and, you know, mm-hmm. and let them let them do their thing. So, um, okay, so that was my commercial. That was my own commercial. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I have my weird hound dog Jim, and I've got two turtles, little little oh. box turtles. They, I, you know, I just learned after I got them that they can live up to. 90 years, and so um, wow. that's a little bit intimidating. Yeah, so um, they they have to go into my will, um, which is another commercial break I'll take. Um, <laughs> I want all of your listeners to make sure that their pets are included in their will, and um, you know because you know you want to make sure that they're cared for after you know if something happens to us, we want to make sure that um, you know folks know what to do with our pets. So. Right. Um, so then I have, you know, chickens, and um, and they're like pets, and I have three horses and wow. two goats and a sheep, and uh, generally just a lot of barnyard friends, it seems like. That's cool. So you live, um, I'm assuming, on a big farm? I live on a little farm, actually. Oh, um, really? I live on a little farm, yeah. I have about 20 acres, and... Um, you know, the farm animals don't even need that. You know, if you, if you have even an acre, you know, having a goat is one of the more, more rewarding things um, ever that I've done. The mm-hmm. goats are, you know, they're, they're much better behaved than my dogs have ever been. And <laughs> people don't realize that. And they mow the lawn. So they're right. excellent for the environment because they not only mow the lawn, but they fertilize as they're mowing. Right. Perfect. Is it like all by itself? It does all in one. That's right, and I had a goat. She's not with me anymore, but I had a little goat named Shirley for a while. I was really blessed to have her. She was clicker trained, so she actually gave paw and uh, was house trained. So, wow. Um, yeah, so people don't realize, and there are a lot of goats in shelters. 
So if you live anywhere near a rural shelter, you can uh, consider that if you have space for goat. It's a it's a it's a cool pet. That's really neat. So um, I have another question for you. I was wondering if you had any idea of how many adoptions PetFinder.com has helped facilitate since it's been started. You know, as best we can count, about 13 million. Wow. And, probably, and how long? 15 so, years old? Almost. Well, we started in 1995, and so we, um, we're we averaging now 2.3 million a year, and so, you know, each year that number bumps up, and so I, I realize that after this airs, I'm going to get a call from a PR agency, and <laughs> Saunders, our vice president of public relations, and, and they're going to say, why did you say 13 when you were supposed to say 14? <laughs> but, uh, right. but, you know, it, it changes, you know, we're doing so many a month that it grows faster than we can keep up with it. It's really That's great. Thrilling. And it is great. It's, I'm totally spoiled. I can't imagine, I can't imagine, you know, how, you know, I just can't imagine being this lucky to be able to do something where you you get to affect change like that. That's cool. So um, I have one more question for you. Since this is a show hosted by a teenager, I have a question from a very teenage point of view. In what ways do you believe that kids or teenagers can improve the lives of pets around them or barn animals or whatever type of animal? Like, and what what do you think is the best way that as young people, we can do that. You know, I think about the young people that I've met over the years. You know, and some of, and you know, the ones that have really stuck out in my mind. You know, some go on to Petfinder and you know help match pets up with people. So they go on and they print out pictures of pets on on Petfinder and go around town and hang those up on bulletin boards. You know, and other kids have. Um, started rescue organizations and started fostering pets from their shelter. Other kids go walk dogs at the shelter. I know one kid who's really amazing who does, you know, a radio show, and she spreads the word about important pet topics. We don't know who that is, do we? Um, <laughs> and, you know, and I was a kid who, you know, I was trouble, you know. I was the kid who was going around, you know, with an eye towards, you know, animal neglect and abuse and helping identify pets who maybe weren't in the right spot. And, you know, I was always, you know, I had situations when I was a kid, I would go up to people and I would say, can I buy your pet from you? Because I knew that the pet wasn't getting, you know, the care that it needed to be there. And then I would try to find it at home or I would find stray pets and, and then rehome them myself, you know, without really being with an organized group sometimes. The single most important thing probably that, that kids can do is keep an open mind and, and help educate everybody about what an important part of the family our pets are. You know, that's something that all kids can do, whether or not your parent has empowered you to have a pet. Kids, those of you that don't have pets, of course, um, you know, we need to speak to their parents and let them know that <laughs> that's just not right. We need to. Yes. <laughs> no, we'll I think, be tracking you know, down. That's right. We'll be tracking you down, parents, um, because, you're, you know, Maria deserves a cat, <laughs> like she's been asking right. for. Um, so, I don't you know who you are. <laughs> but I think, no, really, you know, all kidding aside, um, Kids also need to understand that matching the right pet up with the right family and the right lifestyle is really important. And so if you've got a really busy lifestyle and you're one of those kids that's always out and about doing things, you know, you need to make sure that your pet, the pet that you choose, you know, has a, a, you know, is willing to live within that lifestyle. Make sure you have time for the pet. One of my heroes in animal welfare is a woman named Sue Sternberg, and she, years and years ago before it was popular to think in this way, she came up with the concept of a bill of rights for pets, and she said, pets deserve to you know, have an hour of real attention lavished upon them. 
and uh, pets deserve to have playtime with their human. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there are, there are things that I think that kids can help us be mindful of and, and help their aunts and uncles be mindful of. You know, but right. it's certainly in animal welfare, tons of work to do, and, and I think that kids are going to save the day. That's really cool. Well, thank you so much, Betsy, for joining us today. That was a really great interview with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, and thanks for everything you're doing for animals. No problem. All right. Well, thank you for everyone for listening, and I'd like to thank the producers. This is Kristen Powers of Pet Life Radio, and the show is Pets Rock. See you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.